You're listening to a podcast brought to you by international law firm Trowers and Hamlins, combining market sector thought leadership, advice, and ideas, helping businesses add value and prepare for the future. Well, good afternoon. Uh, this is another in our series of podcasts looking at uh, our 10 years in the West Midlands region. My name is Chris Plamley and I'm a partner in our real estate team. And I'm delighted to be joined today by Jonathan Bretherton, who's the managing director of the Urban Growth Company. Hello, Jonathan. How are you? Chris, hi, I'm great, thanks. So thanks for joining us today. We, we're going to have a, a general chat about the Midlands and where we've been, what we've seen. And this is on the basis that uh, uh, whilst Trowers and Hamlin's been around for a long time, uh, this is to celebrate the 10 years that we've been in the West Midlands. And so we thought we'd have a look at, talk to our friends in the industry and to business leaders, and just to get a flavour of um, how the Midlands has changed. I mean, I, I've been in the Midlands now for 20, over 20 years. And, um, you know, we've seen a tremendous input into the region, lots of investment, lots of change, lots of belief. Um, and I thought it'd be useful to, to, and really interesting to talk to you, Jonathan, because you've been around the Midlands for quite a long time now. Yeah, uh, off and on. Yeah, you're right. So uh, I lived in the West Midlands for, for 10 years, um, had a great time working in the area. And then uh, then moved away. I, I, I spent five years away from the region, um, first of all, running a, a project in the Gulf, um, which was absolutely fascinating. And then uh, after that, moved on to be the inaugural chief exec of the uh, of the New South East Development Corporation on Teesside. Um, then came back for, after that gap of five years and uh, much to my surprise and delight, Birmingham had become a, an overnight success in, 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 in that five years of absence because spent a lot of time in the 10 years I was in the region before then um, working on on schemes and uh, the lawyers I was working with at the time had their their offices in in the Wesleyan building which many of us will know well not not many of us will 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 love the architecture but the landmark up there next to Snow Hill and it was quite depressing looking out over the you know the, the sort of uh, broken teeth of, of the of the Snow Hill um, development that had stopped um, the, the places that are now um, one and two and three Snow Hill with KPMG, HS2 and BT in there and many others. And that's transformational. And it was, I was so pleased when, when, I, when I came back to see, see that in such good shape. And then the developments around Paradise and elsewhere in Birmingham. So after years of, of really struggling to get going, Birmingham, as I say, overnight, in, well, in that five years I was away, um, all of a sudden looks like a very different place and, and, and all the better for it. And, and, and interestingly, you know, because I've worked on Colmore Row for over 20 years now. And so I've been into, you know, what was the Rag & Co building and um, the Pinsons building you mentioned and and, um, and now Trowers on Colmore Row as well. And it has been a changing landscape and, it's, and it doesn't stop. You know, we were involved in uh, Three Snow Hill. I think we did the letting to BT and, um, and we're in and out of the HS2 building uh, quite a lot. Uh, as we know, and and you know, it's there's something about the confidence that those buildings have brought to the business community. Yeah, uh, we're, we're, we're you know, you and I are fortunate enough to work in in real estate, and and you sort of see um, once you can see your mistakes, you also see your your, your victories, large and small, and, and those of others. Let's be honest, there's most of the work done by everybody else, isn't it? But it's it's fantastic and rewarding to work in an industry where you can you can see the fruits of your labours, whereas other people do, frankly, far more valuable and, and important work, saving lives and all that stuff, but in, in a far less visible way. So, yeah, it's 
it's inspiring and it's transformational and you know we're, we're lucky to be working in this sector there's something about working in built environment and especially in this in this city in this region that you do get that sense of pride i mean there's a housing estate over in dudley that i was involved in years ago and it happened to be on the route to the local cinema and every time that uh, me and my wife would go to the cinema and i'd say oh you know i was involved in that She'd, yes i know you tell me every time <laughs> but you just have that sense of pride and and i suppose thinking about you know, the work that you're doing. Let, let's talk about the UK Central Hub and, and the work over there. For our listeners who you might, be not, might not be familiar, tell us a little bit about the hub and, and the urban growth company, and then we can put that into context of how it's sort of helping transform the region. Yeah, okay, sure. Well, unlike other places that, that I've worked, uh, the, the hub, yeah, you, you can't find it on the map. If you look at you know, where, where is the hub at, um, and, or even where is Arden Cross, those, those are places that... The names and their constructs that don't don't yet exist, and, and that's that's because we're engaged in the in, in the process of making a new place. Uh, so the area in question is sits between the Birmingham Airport, Jaguar, Land Rover's factory at Solihull, south of Birmingham Business Park. It includes the NEC campus, and then there's a there's a large greenfield site, or at least it was greenfield before uh, before HS2 dug it up and started building a railway. The Arden Cross Triangle, just just to the uh, further to the east of the, the NEC campus. So it's a it's a thirteen hundred hectare area. So it's a huge huge site. Uh, I think if I'm right in saying that's about three square miles, but but um, someone else with a calculator will correct me. But it's it's, it's a big old place. And so our, our task is to make sure that the outcome is is faster, is better, and is much bigger and shinier than the sum of its parts. Because there's lots of superb development being brought forward by the different different players there. JLR will be opening its um, logistics centre, a million square feet of new building, um, opening later this year. There's a lot more to come in that in that general area. At the other end of the of the hub area, the Arden Cross Triangle, where where HS2 is is, is busily building the station. We're, we're, that, that's the area where we're we're intervening more than any other at the moment. And that that takes up most of my time and, and quite a bit of yours. So. Our responsibility there is multifarious, so let's let just try and take some of, some of the key points of it. We're specifically responsible for enhancing the infrastructure that HS2's charged with, with building. So the HS2 base case, as it's, as it's called, is to build a railway and, and the stations that, that serve that uh, and the ancillary infrastructure that goes with it. But it's not to deliver what are known as wider economic benefits or wider economic growth around the stations. That, that's, clearly a huge prize. So our, our job is to drive that wider growth around around the station in particular. So that, that takes a lot of our time up. We're doing that by intervening in specific pieces of infrastructure, um, roundabouts, highway junctions, those sort of things where we're uh, investing to enhance the, the scale and the capacity of that infrastructure. So we're future-proofing it. We've negotiated a lot of firsts with HS2, which is which is um, it's never good to be first in this sort of work. It's much better to be second. Um, so we're we're doing a lot of pioneering work, um, signing the first of this and the first of that. So the, the first, as you know, you've, you've you've documented a lot of them for us. The um, the first third party agreements with HS2 have, have all been all been done by UGC, so that we can enhance that infrastructure. But the real biggie uh, in that area is is the move from the HS2 base surface car park. They're funded and uh, charged with building 
almost 7,500 car parking spaces at that surface level or as a grade as it's known. Uh, and our, our task is to change that base scheme into a multi-storey car park proposal uh, built next to the station. Uh, so that's, that's, that's been a, an ongoing journey that's been, been going, <clears throat> going along long before I was appointed. I've been with UGC for two and a half years now and it was, it was running long before then. But we've we've scored some major victories in the last 12 months in particular, where we we now managed to achieve the uh, the consensus that it will it will be a multi-storey car park provided we secure the planning permission, which we're, we're we're on with. We secure the funding, which we're we're busy working on. We we managed to secure an announcement from the chancellor in the spring budget of 50 million pounds. We're we're going through the process of of drawing down a a similarly sized loan from the combined authority negotiating with the Arncross landowners. So bringing all of that together so that we can, I can't quite believe I'm saying this, what you know, what what, what was your major contribution to Arncross? Well, I built that big multi-story car park over there, but doing that will unlock all of the surface development of a, one of the best sites in Europe, uh, right next to, or between, between the HS2 station, West Coast Mainline station, and the airport, I mean, what a fantastic location, but there's so many constraints to it because it's jammed in. And that's the key thing. And when, when people, when people think of, of that site and, and as you, as you were saying, you know, you think, well, we're building a car park, so what? But the key thing is you're taking away all of that surface level car parking, opening up all of that site for, you know, was it 4,000 houses, offices, retail space, you know, it's a whole amazing, amazing development. And as you say, it's one of the most exciting schemes in Europe. It's valued at over three billion pounds, having huge amount of input and interest from central government. And and that, you know, that leads us on to this idea of what in the this region, you know, it's got some incredibly influential people and and players in the market. And and one of the things I watched you do over the years is you know, that easy conversations that you seem to be able to have with a while. I was chatting to the Chancellor the other day and, you know, to talking to the Mayor of, of the region and so on. I mean, that must be a really exciting space to be. I, well, I, don't accuse me of name-dropping the Chancellor's name. I don't think I'm too much of a name-dropper, but, but uh, yeah, of course it is. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a privilege, isn't it? It's a rarefied place sometimes. Um, it gets a bit, uh, a bit racy sometimes. Uh, there's other times when it's incredibly frustrating and... And things don't go as as quickly as well as you would like. Um, but yeah, what a privilege and um, great fun. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. But as I said, a lot of the the really important stuff is is, is unseen, is 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 done by others, isn't it? But the, but that that sort of unlocking of the region, I suppose you know I've been to, we've all been to various conferences where people talk about the need for uh, confidence and um, you know this the potential of this region. But are you saying that, you know, we're in a period now where that potential is being sort of unlocked, unleashed, coming to fruition? I wish I would have said that. I would have said that definitely um, 15 months ago. But, you know, I'm going to say, don't you, that, uh, you know, things were going incredibly well and, and they have continued to go incredibly well, uh, let's be honest, because we're, we're so lucky to be able to keep the momentum going because of the, the, the nature of... Uh, of working with HS2 on, on major infrastructure schemes that have kept going through COVID. But the, the impact that COVID's had is is, is transformational and, and, and not in a good way. Uh, so we've really got to put our foot down and uh, 
see the post-COVID period, post-Brexit period as an opportunity to, to springboard. Uh, and I think we're, we're already seeing that in the, the, the stats when you look at the economic growth and the projections that um, uh, Treasury and particularly the Bank of England uh, have been coming out with recently. The stats are looking really encouraging, but it's going to be a challenge to bounce back for, for all of us. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. And do you think, you know, are there any, obviously we're focusing on in this discussion about the West Midlands, so are there any sort of specific characteristics of the Midlands that will help with that recovery plan? Yeah, I think I think the youthful population is 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 one of the. Um, can you have more than one USP? No, probably not. That is the unique advantage that the West Midlands has. Birmingham is a an incredibly young and vibrant city. It's a very different um, uh, demographic from from its competitor cities around around the world. It's got far more in common in terms of the age profile and demog- uh, demography with with some uh, some Eastern um, sorry Asian uh, Asian cities rather than older European cities and that, that gives Birmingham and Greater Birmingham and the wider conurbation a, a huge competitive advantage if we can grasp it. And do you think that will have an input and sort of shape the way that the Arden Cross site evolves over time? Well I hope so I mean that's there's, there's, there's two ways it could go aren't there it's it's it's, it's going to be a, a major development opportunity come what may it's a fantastic site um, because of all, all the things that we've, we've talked about but it is very constrained by being uh, wrapped around with with trunk roads and having a, a high speed line through the middle of it. However, however powerful that will be, and without, there's no doubt that without significant intervention, it will become another important destination in the West Midlands. But that's all it will be. Our job is to really supercharge it and make sure that we look back at it and go. Goodness me, that's 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 fantastic. It, it, it has become a, a beacon for the UK rather than a, another really good development in the West Midlands. And um, if you look at some of the um, incredibly important destinations around the world that that, um, that you go on your holidays or or on business trips, there's, there's there's memorable places that are like nowhere else you've been, and and there's a reason for that. It's usually uh, somebody has had or a group of people have had have had a have had a vision and they've worked really hard over decades to deliver it and they've stuck at it and they've pulled it off. And it's not easy to do that, but what we must do is look back in 10 years or 20 years or whatever it is and go, yeah, great, we, you know, we didn't miss that opportunity. We, we grasped that opportunity. We didn't, we didn't miss it. And, and the only way to grasp that opportunity will be through a, a coalition of the willing, through the combination of, of government, of regional, central government, regional government, local authority, landowners, UGC doing its little bit in, in between all of that, uh, building and maintaining that coalition of the willing is, is what will make the difference. And that, it's interesting you say that because one, <clears throat> one thing since I, I mean, I've been working with UGC for a number of years now, and it, it strikes me that it's, it's grown in its um, personality as an entity. And it's grown in its reach, and and you talk about the sort of coalition of the willing. It, it strikes me it's it's now a really influential player in pulling all of those people together. And I mean, from from when I started on that on that project, it, it it has just grown and grown into something which is now you know has the attention of you know the the, the senior levels, the highest levels of government, and you know at local and regional level and. That's I think that's quite an inspiring story for a 
you know, what started off as a delivery vehicle for a, um, a local council. And we're proud to be the local, the delivery vehicle for the local council because that, you know that's that's what we're here for. But you know, it's, it's great to hear you say that, Chris, and I, I appreciate that. But we mustn't lose sight of the fact that we are here to serve, uh, and we're we're here to deliver what 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 the council's vision was and and still is and will be. Um, that, that's that's our raison d'être. But yeah, you're right. Our job is working with the board and with with the political leadership that we've got and the mayor to to actually keep that coalition of the willing together and, and 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 do the doing in the background to, to keep everybody honest and keep it, keep everyone's feet to the fire to make sure that we're, we're delivering to the best of our abilities. Do you think that's part of the reason why the UGC has been so successful? Because it is almost like an unsung hero in itself. That it, you know, it, it just, it plays that combining role. Uh, I suppose I would say that, wouldn't I? Because that, that's, that's what, what, what we're getting on, getting on and doing. But, as you know, like you know, like you, I was going to say I've got a few grey hairs. I wish I had grey hair, but uh, um, I used to have grey hairs once. Um, so I've been doing this sort of stuff for, for quite a while now. My experience has been that the success in, in these these sort of entities is is doing the hard work and getting on with it, rather than keep telling everybody how clever you are and how important you are. What we judge by um, by what we what we or what what we achieve and what other we help others to achieve, because as, as I said, most of the the actual actual doing the actual building the job creator most of that's done by other by others we're just um doing our bit to inspire and, and prod and poke and uh, get the sharp stick out when we need to or the, or the carrot when we when we need to that must be a, a sort of interesting balance because on the one hand you know you talk about how the uk central hub is one of the biggest most exciting schemes in europe and certainly you know one of the most valuable and and just has that perfect sort of central space. So trying to promote and enthuse about something as wonderful as that, but at the same time trying to do that with just a bit of a, you know, head down, get on with it, make it happen sort of a way. That's it's an interesting balance, I guess. Uh, it is. And, and I know some people think that we should spend more time uh, um, promoting and publicising ourselves. The time will come for that when, when uh, when we can point to uh, to buildings and, and, and point point to things that we've actually uh, got got in the ground, I, I mean, I think we're not there yet. As I say, others others will um, others will judge us for that. I can see you laughing at that. What's tickling your funny bone? I, I'm chuckling to myself because I'm thinking <laughs> thinking back to some of the third party agreements we've drafted. You know, I got really excited about those, but yes, it's quite hard to enthuse the general public over a hundred page document you've drafted. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah quite. Yeah, the time will come for that when there's things to see and things to point to. You, you and I, you and I know how much how much is going on in the background and how how much really good work is being done by by our respective teams, and we're, we're privileged to work with them all, aren't we? But uh, there's a long way to go yet. And 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 uh, yeah, the long way to go is an interesting one because obviously for something like HS2, we know there's a you know there's obviously a very long lead-in time for these kind of projects, and I suspect the general public, who and, and colleagues who might listen to to this probably don't realize just how long these projects take but i suppose that comes back to this thing about you know looking at our region the fact that you know the region's going to have two stations and you know right next to the international airport right next to the heart of the city you know minutes away from the business community and all and, and the, the wider populace just shows that sort of strength of belief and um, confidence in the region yeah, and it, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, doesn't it? We're still riding on the backs of, of, of our Victorian forefathers who 
put all that infrastructure in uh, you know centuries or, or well it is centuries ago and so the it's right that these things should take a long time actually because they're going to be there for a long time and it's it's right that they're carefully thought through and tested and retested and thought through again to make just refined to get them right so as frustrating as as, as i find it sometimes that uh, we can't we can't go faster i know in my heart of hearts that sort of jiminy cricket voice reminds me that actually you know if you you need to take time to get these things right so uh, it's a it's a it's finding that balance isn't it it is and and, and i think you know as we start to get as things start to reopen and, you know, we head down, back down to places like MIPIM and, and those kind of conferences, you know, we can see that the, the good work will start to sort of be publicised again and people will start to come back to it, I, I guess. Just thinking ahead, do you think we're properly capitalising on all of the opportunities that we have in the Midlands or are the things that you can see coming down, no, no pun intended with HSEs, the things that you see coming down the track that will, you know, be the next thing? For, for the UK, either just for the UK hub site or for the um, or for the region as a whole. I think I'd rather focus on the hub site because that's the the area that I, I know best and, and spend most of my time on. And I'll go back to the point I made made earlier that we've got to look back and, and go rather than ra- rather than look back and go if only we'd done X or Y ten years ago, it wouldn't it have been brilliant. We've got to try and avoid. The mistakes that will only be seen through hindsight uh, if we can and it's hard to do that isn't it but uh, uh, so the opportunity is to do something extraordinarily special that you could only pull off on a site like the hub because of the proximity with all the all that transport infrastructure that you mentioned that that, that unique confluence of, of motorway and traditional rail high-speed rail air transport population all, all of those things metro coming guided bus coming the communities that will be transformed through that, that that's what we've got to get right i mean the, the difference in life outcomes between north and south solihull is pretty scandalous really it's quite scary how how different that is for just just by being born 10 miles this way or that and so the opportunity to actually change those outcomes for people and, and give those communities in north solihull and east birmingham easy access to well-paid jobs that's a that's a hugely important opportunity, but not just that, it's to actually create that in a place that you, th- you think, well, we could only have pulled that off in, in a location as good as that. We couldn't have done it anywhere else because you know, what, what's special about Singapore? Well, they've, they've built themselves a load of new land out of, you know, out of the South China Sea or, or, or whatever the ocean's called in, uh, around that area. And uh, they've made things like Jurong Island, which is, which is far, far bigger than the hub um, on its own. Um, I went out there a few years ago to, to talk to the development corporation there and they achieved that through the, the strength of vision that they had and they stuck to their guns and stuck to their purpose for, for decade after decade and they've achieved amazing things out of uh, what were a load of um, sandbars in the sea off a, off a small island off the coast of China. So if they can do that there, just think what we can do um, with all the assets that we've got. Is that what motivates you, Jonathan? Is that what keeps you... You know, plugging away at this day of day, because you say these are long projects, they take a lot of energy to, you know, mental energy as well as physical energy to just keep going. Is that is that what motivates you, that thought of achieving something special? Yeah, it does, because and it's part of working in the environment that we do, where, where you, you know, you, you create things that you can you can see. I mean, I, I get a real a real buzz out of going back to some of the places I've, I've been responsible for creating, uh, 
areas like Greater Glasgow, where I spent five years um, working on the transformation of some pretty devastated uh, communities and uh, and land up there. But absolutely transformational stuff, and, and it's a joy to go on, on Google Maps, isn't it? And you can uh, on, on Street View and go, you know, actually navigate all the all the roads that um, you remember building and the houses that, that that were built on the sites that I remember selling to the to the house builders. All, all of that, or, or down into Hereford, where uh, I worked with Stanhope, uh, um, and we won the uh, national award for the, for the for the best scheme that year. It's a joy and a privilege to be able to do that. The real buzz seeing people just enjoying the spaces that that weren't there before. You think back to to what was there um, before we arrived. Um, just watch people um, going about their business, living their lives in those spaces. I, I get an enormous lift from that. And it's fun doing it. The other thing I get a real a real buzz from is um, thinking about some of the young people that, that I've worked with over the years. I can remember my first PA. She went on to uh, be a personal assistant to the directors of, of one of the large um, Scottish distillers. And uh, I can remember her coming up to me at some event years later and um, thanking me for, for helping her. Uh, she saw it developing a career. And we've, we've got someone in the business at the moment who's going to be a leader of the future. Um, guy called George Moss. So George, if you're watching this, I'm going to embarrass you now. I think I think you're going to be a leader of the future. You've uh, you know you've made a big impact on on us in, as a business um, in the, in your placement year with us. Um, I think you're going to go on to achieve great things. You're talking about the sort of influence for younger people and and the next generation of people coming through. So I'm a mentor to the law faculty at Leeds University, my old law school, and I did a talk for them a couple of months ago. And one of the questions came up was about motivation and about what, what keeps you going through a long career. And it was really interesting that um, when I asked, the, I was asked a similar question 10 years ago, and it, the general feeling, I think, amongst law students was that, you know, money and, you know, what car you drive and all this kind of thing. And I was saying, no, it's nothing to do with that at all. What motivates you is the work. Um, the work's not interesting. And you're just driven by, you know, cash or, you know, what you perceive to be status or material goods or what have you. That's an exhausting way of trying to keep motivated throughout a whole career. But if you're driven by making a difference, seeing what the, the, the sort of real outputs that you have come to something in the built environment in particular, where it has that sort of not legacy element, but it's just real and it impacts and helps real people then, you know, that's a tremendous motivator. And it sounds like, it sounds like you have a sort of similar sort of way of keeping your drive. I, I, absolutely. Uh, it's those things we've, we've, we've spoken about. And, then, and it's also the, I suppose, the innate in, intellectual curiosity of, uh, you know, I wonder, I, wonder, I wonder if we could do this better. I wonder if we could do it differently. I, I wonder what, what happens if we, if we try this. Or, yeah, I saw, I saw something that, we, that someone else did, and that was a really good idea. And I think I'm going to steal that with pride. And uh, and sort of reshape it and use it here. So that the sort of hugely intellectually rewarding activity of getting involved in, in, in figuring out how to, how to get through all this stuff and doing it together uh, and working with, let's be honest, some people that I like working with and spending time with. You know, you, you, couldn't, you couldn't do it if, uh, if you didn't enjoy the people you were engaging with as well. Yeah, and, and that sense of kind of intellectual challenges something I've particularly found rewarding on this one because I don't think there's a single document that's not been a, a sort of bespoke thing that we've had to do to, to match these circumstances. And as you say, there's a lot of firsts in here, which is which is a sense of tremendous 
professional pride as much as anything else. Last question, I think, for me is we. This has all been about our our ten years in in the Midlands and looking forward. So, what do you think? What's your personal goal for the next ten years? It's actually a very meaningful decade, actually, given given what what we're doing and what's going to be happening. So, we know that in ten years' time, HS two will will have will have built the uh, the station at, at, at Interchange. That Arden Cross will be a place that uh, the initial development will have happened by then. So, so my ambition is to be standing there uh, um, or somewhere um, watching watching people enjoying that place, like I have done in Glasgow and Hereford and other places around the world that I've worked. I'm really looking forward to thinking this is the best thing I've done so far. I've helped to make it the best it could be in our own little way because other people have done an awful lot of the heavy lifting. Um, so we've got a really clear vision of what we want to achieve over that period. And other stuff's going to come along as well at the same time. Solihull Town Centre is going to, be, going to be redeveloped and the NEC will be, will be coming along with their plans. Well, Jonathan, thanks ever so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure to talk to you as always. This will fit in beautifully into our series of other talks about the West Midlands and the inspirational leaders uh, that we are engaging with. So thank you once again. Bye-bye, everybody. You have been listening to a podcast brought to you by Trowers and Hamlins. Find us at trowers.com and join in the conversation on Twitter at Trowers or find us on LinkedIn and Instagram.